Either Schwitzer? Oh, yeah. It's the guy I listened to when I made my first billion. He's one clever son of a... Five. Four. We're online. The hottest internet station. It's time for The Switzer Show with the guy who makes getting richer easier than running up a credit card bill, Peter Switzer. Hello and welcome to The Switzer Show. I'm Peter Switzer. I'm joined by my colleague, Paul Rickard. Hi, Paul. Hi, Peter. Some great uh, auction clearance data around again on the weekend. They were just talking about a, a bull market in property. Have they jumped oh. the gun here? No, I think they're jumping the gun. I just think it's fantastic that probably the house price collapse is over and we're bottoming up and I think that there will be some ups and downs but I do not believe a bull market boom will uh, you know, replace the house price falls. I think it would be sideways movements. Some people will experience some, some boom prices, others won't. So I'm not going to get too carried away. I'm just happy that the worst of it is over. Already. Well, it looks like, and I think we'll be hearing from uh, Charles Tarbay later in the program about that, Peter. I yep. mean, uh, I've just look, in, in a week when there's not... Sp- Financial news, it's either about Donald or property. Um, <laughs> well, the, the news have been so bad on property. It's interesting to see that the turnaround in the news is quite significant. I think it's got a bit to do with the banks. I think the banks are being a, a bit easier mm. on lending, and that's certainly being a big help. And maybe those rate cuts are actually working. Anyway, we'll talk to Charles Tarby about that. And we're also going to talk uh, to uh, a couple of people who featured in my new book, um, Join the Rich Club. Some young people who reckon that they have actually seen the light and have you know, embraced... A, a world of getting rich. And, and they've seen the light from one P. Switzer, is that correct? Well, there's been a little bit of my influence in their lives, but I think the fact is that they, as human beings, have decided to, to focus on what they need to do to grow their, their wealth. And uh, I'm quite proud of these young guys and young lady who I'm going to talk to about this particular activity. Now, your, uh, your fame and esteem and great ideas haven't spread to one D. Trump. <laughs> no, <laughs> so no. we're going to be hearing about uh, D. Trump and trade wars, is that right? Exactly right. We've got Shane Oliver. He's our first guest. We're going to talk to Shane basically about what's the setting for the economy. We will mm-hmm. ask him about property. We'll ask him about the stock market and whether Donald Trump's going to be a plus or a negative for stocks going forward. So without any further ado, let's cross to Shane Oliver, Dr. Shane Oliver from AMP Capital. Shane Oliver, thanks for joining us on the program. My pleasure, Pam. I guess we should start off in the really big news story, the fact that House well, are house prices bottoming? Are they getting ready to go up, given the headlines we've been seeing in the newspapers over the last couple of weeks? Well, I think the reality is we have seen increasing evidence that the housing market has bottomed. The auction clearance rates have increased quite substantially from where they were late last year when we were seeing uh, clearances around 45% or thereabouts lately they're pushing up towards uh, 70, 75%. Um, so a huge turnaround. Part of that occurred prior to the election, but the bulk of it um, has really occurred after the election as the uncertainty around negative gearing capital gains tax um, has been removed. And of course, interest rates have been cut. And there's been a bunch of other things as well, which have positively impacted sentiment. So if history is any guide, that is going to a pick up in house prices over the next 12 months. Um, or at least a bottomy in house prices, um, I'd have to say that uh, it, it's probably the case that we have seen the bottom in prices 
Um, I'm not so sure that prices are going to go taking off like they have in past cycles, though, simply because bank lending standards are still a lot tighter. There's still a lot of supply hitting the market and unemployment might drift up a little bit. Um, but I think the reality is that the pickup and auction clearance rates tell us that interest rate cuts are working. Now, Shane, we had a bit on the interest rate uh, front last week with, uh, look, at not a weak set of unemployment numbers, but I guess not a great set of employment data. Some economists were getting a bit excited again, talking about yet another interest rate uh, decrease, perhaps uh, as early as, uh, as August. Uh, where do you stand on that? Are you, uh, you, you think we're now back on hold, or do you think a, th- a third cut is on the agenda still? I, I, I think for now they're on hold. Uh, the Reserve Bank has done its two cuts. If you look back through history, often when it kicks off a, a, an easing cycle, recommences easing, it does it fairly quickly, and they've done that. Uh, I think the Reserve Bank will be thinking, well, we've cut twice. Uh, the, the tax cuts are now feeding through the system. You know, they're fairly modest, but they're still feeding through the system. We've got very strong infrastructure spending growth. Um, we've got an iron ore price, which is pumping cash into the Aussie economy, obviously some parts more than others, but that will help uh, tax revenue in Canberra, which might actually increase the scope for more fiscal stimulus. So the Reserve Bank's probably thinking, well, let's wait and see. Um, For some time, I guess I've been of the view that they might do some more, but I I don't see them doing anything before November at the earliest. And um, I'd have to say, you know, the risk is that maybe this is it. I mean, my base case is I have penciled in more cuts along with other economists, but uh, the way things have been going lately, they are quite positive. And for at least now, I think the Reserve Bank can, can sit back and see what happens. Uh, look, Shane, let's go to another area. Everyone thinks of you as just being purely a boring economist, but you're more than that. You know, you're responsible for a lot of the investments at AMP Capital. Um, talk us through what you think is going to be the, the playbook for the stock market. In my mind, I've got eventually a trade truce which gives Wall Street another leg up, which should be good for our stock market. How, how optimistic am I being on that particular, with that particular analysis? Uh, I have to say that I've, I've been in agreement with you uh, on that one. My base case uh, has been that Donald Trump wants to get re-elected next year uh, if he lets this trade war go on for too long, then that could damage the U.S. economy, uh, which will destroy his re-election chances because U.S. presidents don't get re-elected when unemployment is rising and the U.S. economy is in recession. So that all points to some sort of deal. But, you know, it looks like it's going to take a while yet. Um, the, the G20 meeting saw President Xi Jinping and uh, President Trump um, agree to uh, restart the talks, but it seems to be t- starting a, taking a while to actually get those talks going um, in a positive sense. So you'd have to say that um, it could take longer. I, I, I think at the end of the day, though, they will have a deal because, you know, it, it does make sense for President Trump and for China to do that, um, but it might take a little bit longer. But in the meantime, this is the complication. This, this is why things are very, very different to last year. Last year, we had the threat of the trade war, which kept escalating from the middle of last year, but the Fed was threatening to raise interest rates higher and higher. So it's a very different dynamic. This year, we have the trade war, but the Fed is uh, is moving towards interest rate cuts, as are other central banks. Um, and some have already 
foot through cuts, such as in Australia. So very different situation to last year. So my take on it is that in six to 12 months' time, share markets will be up anyway. Uh, the, the old saying, don't fight the Fed, I think is particularly important here. Likewise, don't fight the Reserve Bank. Um, and that will push share markets higher. But we can still go through a bit of volatility in the short term. This is now the September quarter. It's traditionally quite a volatile period for share markets. There is that uncertainty about trade. There's the issues in, in uh, Iran, the straight up moves and so on. There's the debt ceiling that needs to be increased again in the US. All these sorts of things could cause a bit of an upset in the short term. But on a six to 12 month horizon, um, I'm pretty confident that markets are going to be higher and a key support of that will be uh, lower interest rates. Now, you mentioned about the uh, the debt ceiling in the US. This is this, one of these perennial things where Congress has actually to vote to allow the US Treasury to continue to borrow money, otherwise they've got to shut down government. That's, uh, that's looming. That's got to be sort of resolved for next week or two, doesn't it? Ideally, it does. But I, I suspect they can probably go a little bit later. As always, both sides of uh, politics are playing politics, playing games with each other here. Treasury Secretary Mnuchin was saying uh, it needs to be increased by mid-October. Recently, I think he's been trying to put pressure on the Democrats to do something earlier. So he said, well, we may run out of of cash um, by the first half of September, in which case, ideally, they need to get it done before Congress uh, uh, rises for its mid-year recess or its August recess uh, from July 27th. So in that sense, you need, you need, need to do it this week. Um, but I, I think they've probably got a bit of leeway when they come back in early September um, to get things done. And I think Treasury Secretary Mnuchin might be just trying to push them along a little bit for political reasons. I think at the end of the day, both sides of politics realise that, that they will not be appreciated by the US electorate for being seen as playing a, a wrecking ball um, role here. Uh, if you go back to the uh, debt ceiling issue of 2011 and the debt ceiling budget issue of 2013, uh, the Republicans came out of both of those events looking looking bad. Uh, political support went down for them. Um, and I think that the environment now is very different. Both sides of politics realise that being a spoiler and all of this doesn't pay off. The Democrats, I think, ultimately will end up agreeing to some sort of spending increase along with Donald Trump. You don't have the Tea Party people uh, dominating the Republicans anymore, so they're not going to wreck things either. Um, so I think ultimately there will be some sort of deal, um, but it's in both sides' interest to string it out for as long as possible. Hopefully they'll get it done this week, but the risk is that it could drag on into early September, which could cause uncertainty for markets, um, but I don't think it would be terminal. And I, I think at the end of the day, they're, they're not going to let America default on its debt or let, let it default okay. on pension payments. I mean, imagine if one side or the other is seen as, um, you know, contributing to the American government not making, uh, sending the checks out to pensioners, yeah. the seniors, as they call them in the US, that they will they will immediately lose political support. The Democrats aren't going to agree to that, and nor is uh, nor are the Republicans and Trump. Okay, and just sticking with the US, uh, I mean, I know Wall Street says that the trade stuff is is a big deal. Do you think politically that there's, there's much pressure on Trump uh, at the moment, or is he? Can he? Is this something that he's really he can play as long as he wants to because he's sort of playing to his base a little bit? Yeah, there is an element of that. I, I think he can uh, for a while because the U.S. economic growth rate is still strong, unemployment is still low, uh, share market is strong. So he thinks, well, you know, I, I can push this one out a little bit further, and maybe 
Um, it helps me anyway because the longer the trade thing, the trade war goes on, uh, the more the Fed will cut interest rates. And so maybe he thinks, well, let's keep this going for a while. That will force the Fed to mm-hmm. cut interest rates by more. It will, um, it will sure support up for him amongst his base. And, of course, then he can come in at the end of the year, make a deal with the Chinese, and, and then be seen as a hero. He gets lower interest rates, he gets the trade deal, and his base love him. So maybe mm. that's his reasoning. I think the risk for Trump, though, is that the Chinese sort of work out that's what's happening and say, we're not going to play ball here. You know, you can you can uh, do all of that, but we're not going to agree to a deal. We'll maybe wait for the next president to come along and try our luck with him or her. So that, that's an interesting one to see how it yeah, plays out. But for the time being, maybe you're right that Trump thinks he's got a little bit of time on his side. Okay, one last one, mate. One of the unusual aspects of this stock market rise locally has been has been led by income stocks, you know, the sort of stocks you might have called defensive. Now, mm. if we do get a trade truce, are we going to see growth stocks take off? Will there be a rotation out of these sorts of reliable income payers as people start celebrating and chasing growth stocks. Do you think that's a possibility, Shane? Uh, that's definitely a possibility. I think what's happened lately is that, uh, that the, you know, investors have sort of been emboldened by lower interest rates, by lower bond yields. That's made those income stocks, the high dividend paying stocks, look more attractive and that has pushed them up. Uh, relative to the rest of the share market. So it's made them, they've been the leading sectors in the share market. Now, there will come a time, of course, and I think this will ultimately play out, that growth will start to pick up globally. I think what we're going through at the moment is just another growth slowdown like we saw in 2011-12 and 2015-16. Central banks eased or stepped back, and that ultimately saw growth pick up and share market celebrated. But when that growth picks up, obviously, you know, the more cyclical parts of the market, the less defensive parts will be the key winners. Maybe it's the mining stocks, maybe it's the industrials, um, materials, building materials generally. But, yeah, I, I think through that phase, the dividend payers, the defensive players that have, that have run hard lately will take a bit of a bad set, back set. That's not necessarily a bad thing, and I don't necessarily see them falling again. Uh, they're only going to come pressure under pressure when interest rates start to rise and bond yields start to rise. But that looks like it's still a fair way off before that happens. Yep. Well, Shane Oliver, thanks for joining us on the program. My pleasure. Thank you. And that was Dr. Shane Oliver from AMP Capital. And now it's time for a, a, an unashamed plug for my new book called Join the Rich Club. Now, I know it sounds like a, a pretty gross title, but I did workshop it with all my young people here, and they all like it. Apparently, young people, inexplicably poor, would prefer to be rich rather than poor. Well, look, it does make sense when you put it that way, given a choice of rich or poor, rich is better. I think you're probably right. Um, yeah. But look, you've got some great ideas and some ready-made tips, because mm. uh, like everything, this needs... If you want to get rich, or at least... I don't Build don't, your we, wealth. We don't, we don't mean rich and sort of being... Filthy rich. Filthy rich. We've been just clean just rich. comfortably better off and yeah. so on. And so you can help it's, people. Who wants to be a parent who can't help his kids? Yeah. Who wants to be a, a young person who can't buy something or go overseas? It all comes with being a little bit richer 
They're not being a little bit richer. You do need a plan. You do need yeah. to follow a process. It is a discipline, and, and you have to go about it on a consistent basis, and that's what uh, your book says. Yeah, that's exactly what we try to do. And fortunately, we, we have actually picked out some young people who've been influenced by our business, like in the case of uh, Andre, who's later on the program, who's our video guy, who's learned a lot just by hanging out with us and, and filming a whole lot of people. And our, our next guest is Daniel Voyages, who actually came to us uh, as a financial planning client, but she did work with for us many years ago when she was a young woman. And uh, as she got older, she figured she needed some help with you know, growing her wealth and she showed up and she reckons we've helped her. Well, that's great. I was going to ask you, Peter, do you want to actually say how you people go about buying the book? But no, I didn't. That's a, that's a really good point, Paul. I guess <laughs> you, I'm not trying to make myself yeah, rich. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not to join the peace Switzer rich. Oh, it's not make peace Switzer richer. No, it's, not, it's <laughs> funny. I always get bagged for that kind of thing. I try to help people more than join myself richer. But the bottom line is, this is the first launch of the book. So we're just doing it online. So if people want a copy, they've got to go to Switzer store .com.au. I love that one. I've never seen it before. www.switzerstore.com.au. I often say our books are available in all good and bad bookstores, but at this point in time, it's only at the switzerstore.com.au. So I'm talking to Danielle Voyages, who's the digital sales and optimization manager at Westpac. And uh, she also, and her husband, are featured in my book, Join the Rich Club. Danielle, thanks for coming on the program. Hi, yes, thank you for having me, Peter. Have you always been a money kind of girl? Oh, that's a big question. I think everyone likes money, but I wouldn't say that I was interested in saving money or being hmm. smart with my money. I was probably more interested in spending it. But uh, over the, the recent years, I think I've gotten a lot better with my money and understanding the benefits of being financially savvy and what money can do for you. So, Danielle, tell us about that money journey you've been on because I think you described that in the book, how it's, things have changed over the last two or three years. Maybe you could just uh, shed some light on your money journey. Yes, um, definitely. So I think the biggest change for us was initially getting into the property market um, and that was a big step for us, uh, investing and seeing that grow and, and what that can do for you. Um, and we recently bought and sold um, and got ourselves into a bit more debt <laughs> and that forced us to think a lot about uh, where are we going, what are our objectives, um, how is our money working hard for us and, and what we want to, to see happen um, over the coming years. So we, um, you know, we, we, we sought some financial advice as well on, um, to understand better beyond property and that forced savings and the growth that we saw there. What, what else, what else could we do? Um, we, we, for the first time in our lives, put together a budget, budget, spreadsheet, looked at what was coming in, what was going out, where we could make some cuts, how we could grow, um, that money and then where else we could invest it. Uh, what were we doing with our super, uh, something we'd never even thought about before. You know, my super was all over the place. Uh, an SMSF, you know, self-managed super fund was kind of advised as a good path for us. And we sat down and discussed that as well and, 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 and changed the way we looked at super and, and how that could work harder for us. So, so we've been making quite a few changes. Yeah, it seems enormous. It sounds as though you've been transformed from being a normal young person to being an older person with you know, <laughs> mature, mature, mature attitudes, Danny. And I've known you a long time. I'm really proud of you. Now, what, what are your financial goals moving forward? Okay, so I think, um, as I've touched on, I've, I've kind of recently bought a semi, which is um, 
put me into a, a quite a large amount of debt. So I think my primary goal is really paying down my mortgage. I'm making, you know, obviously we're in a time where interest rates are quite low. How can we benefit from from this and, and, and really pay that down to put me in a better financial position moving forward? I think secondly, I'm really looking at my super and making sure that's working hard for me, how it's going to open up new opportunities later on so that I'm not forever paying down my mortgage and I have, um, have a nest egg later on in life. And I think also... Um, Thirdly, passive income, increasing my cash flow. You know, I'm constantly looking at my budget spreadsheet, which now looks at everything that comes in and out, uh, what's going in, what's going out, where can I save, uh, you know, how can I uh, get some money back into my savings, which is nearly depleted, um, and then potentially look to reinvest that in another opportunity and, and get some guidance from financial advisors around what opportunities there might be for that, that savings moving forward. Because um, currently I feel that, you know, if something pops up, you know, that was unexpected. I'm not in that position to, to solve for it as well as I'd like to be. So I think that's, that, that's another goal for me. So where am I going with that? And Daniel, you, you mentioned that you did a budget. Normally budgets are things that put people right off as soon as you <laughs> mentioned the word. I'm not interested with, with budgets and it's all about is uh, I think the, the purpose to work out where you actually spend money in. But one of the goals of a budget is potentially how you can identify some savings. So what were the type of savings that you made as a result of uh, putting a budget together? Well, because I, I, everything, I looked at everything from my private health insurance to my phone bills, uh, you know, how much I was spending on my weekly shopping, how many times I was going to the shops. And this is all given, you know, I'd never sat down and done this before. It was advised that I did it. And I thought, I can't believe I've never done this before. And by looking at that, I actually sought deals online and I looked at, you know, where I could could shave back and I made some changes. You know, I even moved my health insurance. Because every dollar counts and, and, and also when you're buying a property, it's important as well, right? Because the more cash flow that you can show that you have, uh, the better off you will be with that loan. I reckon I'm gonna say, Daniel, I think I'm going to have to offer you a job as a financial advisor. <laughs> you're getting so across all the important issues. That's a great um, transformation and uh, you've done a really great job and thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And that was Daniel Voyages, one of our great young people who've been influenced by the Switzer money magic. Now, Paul, another ad? Time for the strategy day. Yeah, we've got a strategy day coming up, Peter. Uh, and this is going to have two parts to strategy day this year. First of all, we've got our, our listed investment conference. So that's the morning session. That's where we get some of the best and smartest fund managers in Australia to yep. work with us and talk about their particular listed company or listed investment. We'll have people like Jeff Wilson, some great speakers from uh, uh, places like Magellan coming along, uh, just to update about what they're doing and how they're managing your money. And that can be both shares, but it's also international shares and some other fixed income products. So great range of, uh, of investments on display with the manager. And yeah, there'll be a Q&A, a chance for you to interview them or you, uh, ask the audience questions. to ask questions. And But in the afternoon session, Peter, we're doing an investor Masterclass, mm, a master blaster, a, a class. master blaster class that will have yours truly and P. Switzer. Yeah, uh, what are you going to share? Uh, look, I think I'm going to tell people I exactly how I invest. You know, okay. Yeah. But, uh, no, or what's and all uh, what I've learnt along the way, but more importantly, how I get driven when it comes to selecting a stock, and um, 
how I pick speculative stocks and how I pick the stocks that form the core of my superannuation fund and how I try to build wealth. I think that's, I also might have been talking a bit about how I've invested in property as well. Not, not, okay, not, well that sounds like, that's, that sounds really interesting. And that's gonna be on in Sydney on Friday the 16th of August, in Melbourne on Tuesday the 20th of August, and on Wednesday uh, the 21st of August in Brisbane. Go to Switzer Events, all one word, switzerevents.com.au. Well, there's been some unbelievably positive headlines about real estate and auction clearance rates. So let's go and talk to the founder of Century 21, Charles Tarby. Charles, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Peter. Well, yeah, Paul, Paul is definitely here, but he didn't say hello to you. He's, <laughs> hello, Charles. He's obviously distracted about other matters. Hi, now, listen, Charles, you, know, you and I and Paul were a little bit negative about some of the, the headlines we saw in newspapers when prices were on the slide. So I guess we have to be yeah. objective. Yeah. Can we trust these really positive headlines that we're seeing right now about house prices and auction clearance rates? Yeah, well, it's uh, terribly difficult to be right most of the time, Peter. But, you know, we, we watched uh, in horror as um, news reports, and even up until something recent this last week, that uh, we're sitting on the, on the edge of a cliff again. I mean, I don't know how many times we've spoken about this, mm. but realistically, uh, people need to pay attention to the marketplace. The marketplace itself is, is saying, look, you know, we, we, had to, we had to have a correction. We had that. We knew that prices went beyond where they should have uh, from 2017 to 2019. They climbed in, in what I, I would call it a second boom that wasn't expected, and we've headed back to those 2017 prices. Now that we've settled back in there, I'm watching with a great deal of interest is that there's so many more people out there. Borrowing is still difficult. Um, the uh, responsible lending issues are still making it very hard for people who can actually afford to buy a property to buy a property because they're not being uh, qualified based on today's interest rates. They're being qualified on an interest rate that could be 2 or 3% higher than what's normal. But even, even beyond that, uh, we're looking at the clearance rates, and, and week on week it's just got higher and higher and higher to a point where I'd say we've never seen much of, particularly in Sydney, at 81.5% clearance rate. Uh, the 303 auctions, so this time last year was, was uh, 407 auctions, but the clearance rate this time last year was 55.2%. Mm. But isn't that the point uh, uh, perhaps people just aren't uh, at the moment sellers aren't ready? You fear that once we sort of see uh, sellers come into the market, we'll get a bit of a downturn in those figures and perhaps uh, some of the, the, the rebound talk will go out? Or do you think it's, uh, it is generally a, a, a re-emergence of buying interest out there? I, I think subject to, subject to responsible lending issues, I think it's definitely back to a nice level where people will buy. Um, there are certain areas that are lacking stock, in fact, uh, a great many number of locations around Australia are lacking in stock. Uh, and, the, and the reason for that is that people can't sell if they can't find something to buy. So it's like that vicious cycle. We can't seem to get the properties for sale for them. And I, I do think that those people that sat on the fence in the last year are starting to re-emerge and think, okay, you know, I did want to sell a year ago. I want to sell because I want to downsize or I want to retire. And they're coming back out in the woodwork. And I'm starting to notice an influx of stock, but not to the level that the buyer inquiry is at. Okay, Charles, you've been in this game a long time for a young bloke. Um, mm. you know, have you seen a situation like this that becomes like a false dawn? You know, uh, 
Yeah, clearly we've had two years where the market was, in Sydney and Melbourne in particular, very depressed. Um, and now we're, we're seeing signs that's coming back. Could it be a false dawn? Could it be like we say in the stock market, a dead cat bounce? Yeah, I, I don't think so, Peter, because we've had a, a, a year and a half now of very, very negative talk around the property industry. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of sellers have adjusted their thinking. Um, you know, there were many people sitting on the fence waiting for what they thought was a peak and, and they may have missed it. And now reality's sitting in. You know, look, if I'm going to sell now and I want to retire or I want to downsize, um, I, I can do that now and I can do that comfortably. But again, the only issue is the lack of stock. Now, lack of stock and low interest rates can cause a peak in the market. And I'm hoping that's not the case. I'm hoping that we're on a steady movement back into um, a, a reasonable uh, levelling and then a reasonable climb over the current, current years. Mm. But as I said, there's still a lot of interest out there and not enough stock to satisfy that interest. Okay, well, you, you made the point that you're still worried about banks' willingness to lend. And I was telling Paul yeah. earlier that an architect friend of mine only last Saturday said to me, I said, well, how's business been for the last two years? And not surprising, he says, shocking, because architects are on the front line of you know building projects. Mm. I said, well, what's it like now? He said, I got 18 inquiries last week. Now, that seems to me yeah. that banks probably are starting to become a little more accommodating. Have you seen any signs of that, Charles? That they are, and, and with um, uh, the uh, regulatory bodies reducing the percentage uh, that they were expecting people to lend by from, I think, mid-sevens to mid-fives, it's, it's allowed more people to enter the market. But realistically, when you and I bought and sold the home, we bought it based on what it could afford, based on the interest rate today. The fact that they're calculating somebody's affordability based on an interest rate that could be in place in two or three years' time is still making it difficult for people to borrow money. Yeah, the, I don't know if that's, that's new, Charles. I think there's always been a bit of an add-on rate, but uh, certainly they've, they've not, eased it off yeah, a not little to bit. The level of, yeah. yeah, not to the level it's been at, Paul. Yeah. And I think that's been the, the biggest issue. This is a great time for first home buyers to buy, but if you're going to, if you're going to price them out of the, of the market because you're going to add 2 or 3% on top of what the actual lending rate is, well, you're basically putting, uh, it doesn't become affordable or it doesn't become responsible lending. You're basically keeping people out of the marketplace can actually afford to buy and you're keeping them in rented accommodation. So I think something has to change in that area. They did make a change recently, but I still think it's far too dramatic. And, and putting putting auction clearance rates to one side, because that only represents, as I think we, we should need to be cautioning people, a small part of the market. What's it like in terms of uh, you know real estate that people have got on the market with an agent uh, in terms of just the normal sales process? Uh, yeah, we, we're seeing a pick up in uh, you know in days on market and interest in terms of how that people, people are showing up. We well, are, we are. We're seeing more people showing up, and we're seeing a um, lower days on market. Mm-hmm. But again, that can be attributed to the fact that there's not much stock on the market. Yeah, uh, and uh, until that comes flooding through. Uh, we're, we're going to still see a fairly tight market. And it's, it's a pretty good seller's market, but then again, the sellers have to find something they want to buy. And that's what I think we're finding is the biggest issue. Now, Charles, you, know, you said that there are some areas around where, you know, it's just, in a sense, it's very hard to get people to, to actually sell their stuff because, as you say, mm-hmm. they can't find. Um, but also my question to you related to that is, where are the, the hot stock 
you know, hot places for houses right now where people might be getting a, a much better deal than, say, two years ago. I can remember you saying two years ago on, on our 2UE program in those days, it was Talking Lifestyle, as the channel was called in those yeah. days, that you thought this boom was going far, far too far. And in Western suburbs places, like the, the median price was a million dollars. Yes, that's right. In some some of the areas, and uh, and I uh, and and we, we we were selling. I remember a sale that we made going all the way back to 2016 was a million dollar property in Mount Druitt in January 2016, which most people would find extraordinary because that area is traditionally housing commission. But when you start looking at areas around certain parts of, of Sydney, where um, if you go north of those areas, north of Mount Druitt, north of Hebersham or Derrick and so on, and you're seeing blocks of land selling for $600,000 when you can buy a home on a block of land in, in a suburb five kilometres south of that for the same price. Mm. And I, I just think there was a major imbalance. And I still think there are areas in Sydney for first-time buyers where they can buy their first home, but I still think the uh, responsible lending issues and I do consider them an issue because I've, se- I've seen it just firsthand with my son who has a capacity to borrow an, uh, a certain amount, but, they, but they've come back and said, oh, no, we're going to calculate it at 5.5%, not at 3.5%. Mm. And so all of a sudden, knocking these people out of the market. And this is the best opportunity for those younger people to get in right now. Okay, Melbourne, what's going on there? Are there good buys in the outer suburbs of Melbourne? And also, I'm hearing Brisbane's the place to be over the next two years. What's your view? Oh, look, yeah, yeah, Brisbane it was talked about for years and years and years as a place to go to, and I think you and I talked about the mm. fact that it wasn't. And it had to get there sooner or later. And it is now definitely one of those areas where, from a pricing perspective, um, it's, it's exceptional. When you think about the population base of Brisbane or Queensland, it's worthwhile now. Uh, Melbourne itself had a, has had a pretty massive run too. And I mean, this time last year, they, they put 600 properties off and thereabouts. And they put 400 to auction last week and, and sold 70% of them. Now, I know auctions, as Paul said, plays only a small part in it, but it gives you an indication. It gives you an indication. If you can sell seven out of 10 properties under the hammer, then I think that the market's pretty strong. And uh, I think people who have a chance to invest in places like Melbourne and particularly Brisbane should seriously think about it and stop listening to, uh, again, the, these people that, will never come out and say, oh, two years ago I told you the market was going to crash, so you went and sold your home and you've lost all this equity. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of those people have stepped up and said, oh, I made a mistake. But I, I do think that a lot of people have a chance now to get in with low interest rates, uh, reasonably priced properties, uh, and, and they should make that decision to move forward, particularly if it's a long-term decision, because if you're buying property for seven to ten years, you're, you're going to be fine. Charles Tarby, thanks for joining us on the program. Thank you, gentlemen. Another of our guests today is another of our case studies in my book, Join the Rich Club, and it's, his name is Andre Chan. He's our video guy. I guess he's got a more sophisticated title than that, but he joins us now, and it's interesting. He has been effectively listening and watching a whole lot of really smart money people, and we presume he's been influenced by it. Andre, thanks for joining us on the program. Hi, Peter. Thanks for having me. Now, Andrew, the fact, sorry, the fact that you agreed to do this tells yeah. me you're a bit of a Peter Switzerphile. <laughs> so tell me, what are some of the lessons that you've learnt from the guru, Peter Switzer? First of all, I've, I've been pretty lucky to so be working with uh, both you and Paul. Mm. Um, and, you know, with the countless interviews that we've done um, over the last 12 months, um, 
there's always been a point that many have touched on and, and that is um, leverage off other people. So um, leveraging off others who's been there and done that, um, seek experts who's currently doing that, mm-hmm. leveraging off other people's successes um, always helps you grow as a person. And I mean, it, it really comes down to finding the right expert in the right field. Yeah. Now, is it true that you and your dad v- had very little to talk about you know, when you used to work for a games company, but now you're, you're in the money, you, you and he have a lot more in common? Oh, that's right, yeah. So a friend of mine actually joked that um, so since I joined Switzer, um, I've, I've been telling them I work for a you know, financial company yeah. and they talk about you know, the stock market and, and the economy. And you know, my, my mate actually said, oh, now your dad's actually proud of you <laughs> for, uh, for being in the right profession. Yeah. Now, you mentioned about learning from experts. That could apply yeah. in any sort of field or profession. Mm, that's right, fact, yeah. We often say to clients, you know, get a good accountant, get a good... Uh, you know, solicit if you have trusts and wills because, you know, you need to sometimes you've got to pay for the best. Hang out with the right people. Hang out Hang with out the out right with people. people. Mm. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that, uh, you know, you've seen a lot of experts firsthand. Do you think there's, um, what do you think it makes about the, is it about the expert that, that did you notice? Is it what they're saying or the passion which they say it or just the, is there anything that you can put your finger on as to what really You've, you've grabs said, you grabs you and you yeah. you're filming it and you're listening to it right i think i think it comes down to passion you know you really have to be passionate about what you do and it's it's never about the money like money you know eventually it, it does happen it does come along but it, at the end of the day it's it's all about the passion and help you know and really finding an objective in your company yeah do you, and do you think the people and you have you've listened to people like david murray um, Keir Nelson, Charlie Aitken, Jeff Wilson, Jerry Harvey, Mark Burris, yeah, yeah. Mark Burris, all these people who are high achievers yeah. and, and clearly are in the rich club. Yeah. But do you think the standout characteristics of all these people is that they are really focused on what they're trying to do, either in their their business or in their pursuit of being good at managing money? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's the focus bit that makes them stand out from the crowd. Do you think persistency? I'd say, yeah, just being persistent and never giving up. Um, mm. But you know that that always comes down to passion. Yeah, yeah, to really have a passion of you know helping our customers out or yeah. you know what they do. Yeah. I'm going to say, I think you've improved <laughs> as a human being since the first day you walked in here. You know, you're right. just a normal dropkick young person. <laughs> And look at you now, you, you invested in the Switzer Dividend Growth yeah, Fund and right. made a, a lot of money as well. In a sense, have you noticed a change in yourself, even from the way that you respond to stimulus that might you might have ignored when you're a normal, oh, normal person? Absolutely. I think it's, it's mainly because um, I think from your one of your um, articles on the Switzer Daily, yeah. you, you made two points that sort of intrinsically ingrained into me, yeah. so to speak. Um, that is one, um, do a budget. Yeah. So you always say there's, there's an old saying, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it, right? Yeah. And so you, you start by looking in at your expenses yeah. and see how you can cut 10%. And you know, the money that I've saved, so I, I've sort of followed that and the money that I've saved, I've used that into um, investing in other asset mm. allocations. So um, dollar cost averaging, like you always tell me. Mm. Um, and the, the the second point is make a commitment to become an investor. Mm. And you know, like you said, during GFC, um, CBA share price was at twenty seven dollars, yeah. and it went to eighty one dollars in Macquarie Bank, which is now one hundred twenty seven dollars, was uh, sixteen dollars. Yeah. So, it's 
Of close to 700% gain. Okay, I reckon he deserves a pay rise. I reckon he deserves a pay rise. <laughs> uh, we, I was going to try to get in about the budget, GSTing your, your expenses. Mm. Uh, but anyhow, look, let's come back. One last question yeah. because uh, time is precious. But sure. y- you're a young professional, right? Uh, mm. And so you're, your investment needs are, you know, how do you think they're going to change? Um, and what are you going to do differently as, as your situation changes? Um, I think, you know, the, the biggest challenge with... Um, with investing, you know, with a younger generation is that they they are impatient and, you know, buying an index fund, holding it for 10 to, to 20 years, it's, they, sounds they're not going to do it. Right? Yeah, it sounds pretty boring, mm. you know. So they're, they're looking into, and look, I know there's a lot of negative connotations with um, cryptocurrency, but that that is something that the young generation is, is you know, swaying towards. Mm. There's a lot of volatility <laughs> in the share prices. But I think I'm more interested in the technology behind behind cryptocurrency, so particularly blockchain. Yeah. Um, so you know, at the moment, you know, cross-border payment transactions there, it, it takes a lot of time and it, it takes a lot of resources. Um, and with cryptocurrency and, and the blockchain technology, it sort of shaves that time to literally seconds. He's, well, he's proved he's still a young and groovy kind of guy, Paul. He is a young and groovy groovy guy. We'll have to get up to speed here, Peter, on cryptocurrency. Exactly right. Andre Chan, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Paul. Well, that's the show for the day. I reckon we actually covered all the key issues, Paul. We got through some issues and, of course, uh, Switzer List Investment Conference and Masterclass. Go to switzerevents.com.au. Yeah, you, you can't help doing ads, can I you? I like doing ads it's, at it's, the end. Just I'm waiting for so the time out here, but uh, so he's commercial. very slow on the button, is our, uh, <laughs> is our operator, John. Okay. Well, it's been a good show, and John has made a reasonable contribution to it. We'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>